0: Thanks for spending time with me today. Now, let's get started. Hey, welcome back. On today's episode, we're talking all about quarterly sales planning, and not just any old quarterly sales planning, because I'm sure you've been there, done that. We're talking all about quarterly sales planning that actually increases your results. And the key core elements that I want you to focus on in order to make sure that it's simple, it's easy, it's straightforward, and more importantly, that you'll actually follow through on what you just planned. And I will be giving you a couple of examples with some real-life, just-in-time sort of things that uh, myself, my team are executing right now as we speak as a result of some upcoming quarterly planning and as we've tied out some of our past quarter at the time of this recording um, to really just identify and highlight exactly what has happened in our business in the past quarter, and then what's coming up in the next coming quarter. So first, if you need more help on this, I want you to know <laughs> that this episode will get you a jump start. But if you need to go a deeper dive into how you are strategically planning for your business, I want to invite you to go ahead and check out my strategic business planning workshop. It's more than three hours of content that's going to deliver to you exactly how to map out your entire year and then go into a lot more detail than what we're going to be able to do and cover off in today's episode for your quarter, your month, your week, so that you're all set up. Grab that at the link below um, and so that you are able to get some additional help and support. Okay, so. Number one, what I want you to know is that quarterly planning can't be done in isolation, meaning every single time that you look at the year planned out in a quarter. So for the let's just clearly define this. Right. So you can pick whatever quarter it is, but a quarter is usually a time period of three months. It happens four times a year. Okay, so three months at a time. So if we just use the regular calendar, then we're looking at January, February, March is quarter one. April, May, June is quarter two, July, August, September is quarter three, and then October, November, December are quarter four. Okay, so the year split up into four quarters. You can pick whatever quarter you want. I know one of my dear friends actually uh, follows her fiscal year, right? So her fiscal year is not based on the calendar year. And that means that she plans her quarters a little bit differently than the calendar year. Totally fine. Just follow the same exercise, insert your dates as appropriate, and you're good to go. So the very first thing is that we have to look at your annual goal. What is your goal for the whole year, right? So when you're thinking about at the time of this recording, you're listening to this and we're planning for Q4, right? You're thinking about how do I get ready for this last leg of the year? So October, November, December is right upon us and thinking about did I accomplish my goals for the year? Is what I'm planning for this last quarter or the next quarter, does it actually make sense for what I want to accomplish for the entire year? Because too often what I see business owners, entrepreneurs, salespeople do is that they are only looking at my here and now, and they're not connecting it to the bigger picture, the bigger why, or the other things that are going on in your life and your business that make a lot of sense to incorporate. So first, we always look at the big picture. Is my quarter tied to my annual goal? That's number one. Number two, then we drill down a little bit deeper and go, is my quarter going to connect to what I want to accomplish monthly? And weekly and daily because at the end of the day, everything needs to roll together, everything needs to be connected and everything needs to feed one into the other and support one into the other, otherwise it's going to feel very disjointed, you may have a lot of spinning plates, you may have a lot of half dug holes, or uh, bridges going nowhere, because you simply haven't had the time, the energy and the focus to be able to complete something all the way through. Now, oftentimes what we end up doing is we overestimate what we can do in the short term and we underestimate what we can do in the long term. What do I mean by this? Well, you may want to set super aggressive goals and targets for a short time frame. We underestimate how how long things are going to take. And so we we overload it, right? So what I want you to think about is, do you have a to-do list for today that is already a mile long? And you haven't really sat down to think, is this actually reasonable for me to accomplish in the timeline that I want? Because you're setting yourself up for failure. And yet at the end of the day, if we were to add up, like maybe you have the equivalent of a week's worth of to dos and you cram them onto Monday. And yet if we were able to just space it out over the course of the week. It would be really easy for you to accomplish all of those things, but when you front end load, and I'm a, a huge fan of front-end loading, but if you do it so aggressively that it totally undermines your motivation and it diminishes your capacity to actually be able to carry it forward consistently every single day, that is not setting you up for success. That is actually setting you up for failure. And you're going to be tired before you even begin. And this is why so often I see entrepreneurs that lack motivation. It's not because you actually lack motivation, it's because what you are trying to accomplish is demotivating. It is demotivating to see your plans laid out and you have such aggressive targets in terms of where you're starting. So it already feels like you're at the bottom of the mountain and looking way up at the pinnacle, the top of the top of the top, and you have no idea how you're going to get there. You just have a list of, man, it's going it's to take me like 10,000 steps. Well you're going to have to chunk it down, right? Like how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And yet so often, so many of us are looking at the whole elephant without realizing I need to start one bite at a time, one chunk at a time. So our quarterly goals and our quarterly planning influences our monthly focus, our monthly targets, our monthly activities, and then it rolls down into our weekly and so on and so forth. Okay. So The number one thing that I want you to think about is oftentimes, again, thinking about what I just shared, that we overestimate what we can do in the short term and underestimate what we can do in the long term. So typically, and I've done this too, we are so zealous and just like, oh my gosh, I have so many good plans that I want to get done, that at the end of the day, we don't really think about what it will take in terms of time, effort, money, resources, team, what will it take in order to actually execute what it is that you're trying to focus on? When you have too many projects on the go, you are constantly being pulled in multiple directions and you're not going to make traction on the one thing that's actually going to move the needle. And so sometimes we do this as a plan B. In fact, I was, uh, we were watching Master Chef last night and they were making a puree, like a, a squash puree, and they had cooked the, the squash in two different ways. They still want to make a puree. The end goal is the same, but they were trying to get to it using two different pathways, two different processes. And instead of just focusing on one thing, which was we need to make puree and we're going to go all in, in this one method, this one framework, this one process, they decided to split it. Well, they didn't have a lot of time. And so that took double the effort, double the energy, double the focus, because now they had to monitor two different things at the same time to only create one outcome, which was squash puree. Can you imagine? But can you relate to this story? Because I know I have done this as a way to hedge my bets, as a way to have a plan B, as a way to make sure that there's a a backup plan to ensure that I didn't Uh, spread myself too thin, where the irony is, I actually ended up spreading myself way thinner than I needed to. So just because you can do more, friend, doesn't mean that you actually should be doing more. In fact, I give you permission today to stop doing all the things and instead to pick one, two, three at the very most. In fact, I would encourage you, can you do one major project for the next quarter? and see it all the way through. And if you finish early, just do it again and do it again to improve and get better, to iterate the process, okay? To learn and to evaluate what you are doing and to make it even better. So when we think about it from this perspective, I want us to bring into the table, well, that sounded weird. I want us to bring bring your attention to uh, one of my, gurus, experts that I rely on heavily in the productivity space is Stephen Covey, okay? The seven habits for highly effective people. If you haven't read it, please go and check it out. It changed my life more than 25 years ago and has really set the foundation for how I execute so well and so fast, even with some personal things, some health issues, being a busy mom of two, and also having to do a lot of other things for a lot of other people, other than myself. So Stephen Covey talks about the rocks, the pebbles, and the sand, right? And oftentimes what we end up doing is that we focus on the sand and we put sand in a bucket first, and then we try to put on the pebbles and then we put on the rocks. Well, that's the wrong order, right? Just like math, there's a specific order of operations that makes life a lot more fulfilling and more productive and more effective, When we focus on the top priorities, which are our biggest rocks, and often they're the things that we struggle with the most. They're the things that are going to take up more time and effort and resources and maybe, yes, even money. And they're the things that we shy away from because maybe we're not as proficient at it. Maybe it is going to take up a lot more time and effort and energy. Maybe they're not even really as much fun. And I use air quotes for that because sometimes it's just our perspective and our perception. When we focus on doing the rocks first, and again, you don't have to have multiple rocks. In fact, I encourage you to focus on one and do that one rock really well, because chances are, if it's a big enough rock, there's multiple pieces, there are pebbles attached to that rock, and then there's always inevitably going to be some sand that spills over. But too often, we're focusing on the sand, the little incremental tasks that really don't move the needle forward. Oh, I'm gonna change the font on a Canva graphic. Um, Okay, but why? And how does that help you or your potential customers know what you do in a deeper, more meaningful way? Whereas when we really focus on what are the key drivers that are actually going to help you move the needle forward, and this is determined by looking at your daily revenue generating activities, right? So again, if this is an area that you need help with, or you need to figure out how to generate more consistent revenue and consistent leads in your business, I want you to grab the mini course. That's going to be linked up in the show notes below for you create consistent leads, because it's going to help you to identify exactly who you should be targeting, how you should be targeting them and what it is that you're going to be offering them so that you know exactly what to do and say every single day, if you just do that one activity, that one thing reaching out to five potential customers every single day at the start of my business, when nobody knew who I was, when I really wasn't even clear as I am today on what it is that I do for people and what it is that I sell and offer, in the span of less than three weeks, I ended up being fully booked with sales calls, between 10 and 15 discovery calls every single week. Uh, I didn't obviously make offers to everybody because I wasn't prepared to work with all of them, but I needed to get into the flow of having those individuals book with me so that I knew who my our ideal clients were, what they wanted to, to work with me on, and how I could offer them something that really was going to knock their socks off. And then just a few short weeks after that, I was already booked with clients. Had me my first $25,000 a month, and it kept going and going and going thereafter. So I don't say this to make you feel defeated. I tell you this because business can be simple. Sales can be simple. Planning can be simple, but not if you're doing them all in a discombobulated, disconnected way. And more especially, if you are focusing on the sand, don't focus on the sand. Focus on one rock. One rock is enough to do all the things in your business and to transform it no matter where you are. And too often what I end up seeing is that even for business owners that are already at six figures, maybe you're even at seven figures, is that you have more capacity You have more people on your team. You have more potential to grow your business and your revenue. And so guess what ends up happening? You end up having cognitive dissonance, meaning that you're so used to working hard. You're so used to spinning all the plates. You're so used to doing all the things that when you have that space and that breadth of uh, room to now think and strategize and vision for your business, you're filling it with all the busy work, the sand that takes you away from the rock. Okay, and in this case, you need to be relentless in your focus, especially with your quarterly planning, that the rock is actually going to generate the types of results that you want to see that are still missing from your annual plan that will keep you on track. Okay, so how do you connect the dots between these things? Number one, you have to look at the assumptions and the projections that you started your annual planning process with. Okay, what do you think? That you were going to do this year? Where are you at? So, projections versus reality, that is the gap. Because if you thought you were going to have a million dollar year, and right now you are sitting at 500,000 and we have a quarter left. Number one, I want you to know not all is lost because growth happens in an exponential way for businesses. It is typically not a straight line linear path. And too often, what we do is we're planning for exact month by month, play by play, that the numbers will be equal and the same, and they're not, okay, they're not. If you study history and business history over time, you'll notice that their up and down motion there is a range. Now, it doesn't have to be like up and down like a roller coaster, but it is normal to be within an up and down range for most businesses. And you will see that as you improve processes, systems and planning, that your execution level will exponentially increase the end result. That's what creates a hockey line growth curve. And at some point, depending on how mature your market is and how mature your business is, you're now no longer going to experience as much hockey line growth. And you're going to start to plateau into more of a linear path. Don't be worried. Don't be scared. Just means that you need to adapt your curve of growth to a different level of business. Okay. So when you have done your projections and now you've been tracking data. Now, here's the thing too often we are so focused on the numbers, which, hello, I love me some numbers. But at the same time, we get so granular and we get so bogged down in the weeds that we forget what the numbers are supposed to be telling us. The numbers are there in order to help you to evaluate what you're doing compared to your projection. That's it. And it allows you to make changes and decisions based off of that information. Now, if you are not planning to make any changes, if you are not planning to decide anything, don't look at the numbers because the numbers are simply going to reflect a, a, a set point in time. And if you have no plans to change anything that you're doing, which aka, for a month, you should not be changing your monthly strategy from month to month. That is the fastest way to burn out yourself or your team and to not get traction. It is uh, a derivative of context switching, meaning that you haven't given it enough time, that you think that something is going wrong, and you're literally switching from tab to tab to tab to tab. Well, every time you do this, you and you can Google this context switching you will learn, you will lose 20% efficiency and productivity simply by switching from one thing to another. Simply by switching from one thing to another, you have now effectively lost 20%. I'm going to say that again. You have just lost 20%. Okay, so I don't know about you, but most businesses and business owners that I work with can't really afford the time, the resources, and yes, even the money to just simply squander it away on inefficiencies, because you have a whim that you want to focus on something different. Now, don't get me wrong. If you have the data to prove that you've given it enough time, or you just have an intuitive sense that, hey, this wasn't aligned to me in the first place, and I simply was trying it, and now I can see from the data, it literally is not working, then a hundred percent, you can kibosh that. But what I often find, and we'll link up the episode below, is that it's not about the time, like the timing. It's about the time in the market. And so too often we're trying to time things. We're, we're trying to like be the next best whatever. We're trying to be the next best Apple. We're the, trying to be the next best Amazon. And we're trying to time the market for their readiness to, to actually support us. But really and truly, there's not a lot of new stuff. It's an evolution of something that already existed or it's filling a gap in the market. And so it's enhancing a product offering that's already there that falls short of the mark. So as a result, most of the time, we would actually get better results if we just sat in the market, if we just allowed time to do what it needed to do. And that is essentially been the secret of, Uh, Warren Buffett's success, because he doesn't move his money around a ton. Yes, he obviously has a very specific skill set, and that requires planning and dedication, part of which we're talking about here. But he doesn't change his investment strategy from season to season, from year to year. He looks at the underlying principal foundations upon which he builds them. And as a result, his discipline and his commitment to the plan means that he sticks with it. And that has created the fortitude of the results that he has seen in the the world of like multiple billions of dollars, right? And so I want you to consider that your quarterly plans and the results thereof would be way more effective if you just sat on them, if you just allowed yourself to have the confidence and the certainty to know that what you just planned, you have to have enough time to develop it, you have to have enough time to practice it, you have to have enough time to actually do it. Okay. So don't look at data, Over net, like over in abundance, because it will lead to decision fatigue. Because you're not going to know what to do with the data, it's going to actually make you anxious, and it may influence your decision in ways that really isn't as productive as it could possibly be. So, your planning, your quarterly planning. Here's here's a real life example. Okay, I want you to always think about what am I doing to attract more clients or customers. Okay. There should always be some kind of activity or focus that happens around the clock, hopefully automated. Usually for my clients, this is some kind of lead generation system. Okay. Number two, that you're going to be promoting and selling. Now in a quarter, I actually don't recommend unless you are further along in your business and you have team members and and some additional automations and things to help support that you only focus on one active promotion and sales cycle per quarter, because if you're launching a new product line, if you're about to uh, gear up to provide a new solution or even an existing solution, then it's going to take time for you to map out and produce all of the assets And more importantly, to actually show up and engage with the promotional activities. The creation of the thing that you're about to sell shouldn't be taking up the majority of your time. It will the first time out for sure. But once you already have that thing created, 80% of your efforts need to go towards marketing and selling the thing. It's often why your results are not as good as you want them to be, because you haven't given yourself enough time to market and and sell to to actually promote it. And so you've you've shrunk that because you've squeezed how much time that you have and it's put a lot of pressure on yourself to produce some astronomical results. Is it possible? Absolutely. But you're essentially putting yourself in a pressure cooker every single month or every two weeks or every single quarter, which is a lot of pressure. And eventually you're going to pop right? You may have already done that. And maybe that's why you're listening to this. I want to encourage you that although it feels like three months is a long time to try and market, promote, and sell one particular offer, I'm going to challenge you to try it out and see what happens if you only put all of your time and attention on one major product launch, one major promotion for the year, like the, the, the end of this year, the quarter, okay? And see what happens. And remember. If it works, let's say you're planning Black Friday sale, right, which is going to happen in November. And you're like, well, then Susan, is that it? Like, is that all I'm doing? Well, yes and no. This is where you get to decide if the Black Friday sale went really well, which I hope it does, right, then I want you to go. Do I have an opportunity to just rinse and repeat this? Can I do this again in two or three weeks for a Christmas or an end end of the year sale? And to do something very, very similar to that, because now you'll have the processes, the systems and the tools to be able to do so. But until you actually do it the first time out, you can't plan to do more and more and more and more. In fact, it's the fastest way for you to get burnt out. So. You need to constantly be attracting on an automated system. You're going to promote and sell one major campaign a quarter. Okay. Again, if you have a bigger team, you're going to have an A campaign, which is your big one. and You might have a B campaign, which is your downsell or a smaller product. Again, something that's more on an automated evergreen sort of system. Okay. Number three is you're going to deliver. So you have to build in some time to deliver the product or service, especially if you're doing something live. Uh, in order to be able to manage the client expectations. Now, even if you're doing something on an evergreen sort of way where maybe it's not live, it is something where people, it's a self-study or something. If you're launching a product, you need to include delivery time, whether that's a physical product, because you need to actually manage the deliveries or ensure that your, um, your processing place is going to actually or be able to process all the orders that, it, it you know, is going well, uh, to onboard those clients or to thank them for the their business. Uh, if you are doing any sort of course or program, and again, it's self-study, you need to make sure that your clients are going to be able to log in, that you're dealing with emails for refunds or any customer service sort of related inquiries, that is going to take up time. So all of that is part of your delivery process. It needs to be built into your planning. And then the last piece is that with anything that we do, we want to evaluate and we learn. Now, I hope that you're doing an evaluation and a learning process every single day in your business, because I guarantee you that this is the single most important thing that will actually increase your results if you focus on learning something and adapting to what you've learned every single day, and this doesn't necessarily have to be like a major earth shattering, like, oh my gosh, the sky is falling sort of, I figured it out and, and it's no longer broken. I'm talking about aha moments. I'm talking about milestones. I'm talking about little things that you were able to do that has now improved the process for yourself, for a team member, for a client, and that you are now going to codify and incorporate into your business systems. That is going to be continual learning. And the biggest, brightest minds of the planet, this is what they focus on. The biggest, brightest companies on the planet incorporate continual learning as part of their development, as part of their culture, as part of their expectations. And that is why it it allows them to see better results. They become the top 1%. And I know that if you're here, chances are you already do this on an intellectual way, or maybe in um, an informal way, like you're constantly thinking, oh, you know, I could do that better, or I could improve that. But I want you to document it. Because now what it's going to do is it's going to create a learning log, a learning library for not only you, uh, if you're a solopreneur, but also your team members and the new team members that are coming in. And it is the first and fastest way for you to start moving yourself out of the day-to-day operations of your business as soon as you are able to, because the things that you do that you realize that have come through the process will be captured somewhere. I will say that this is an area that I have just now recently started to codify because I realize. I did a lot of this just naturally, and I took for granted that other people on my team were doing this, and that is not necessarily the case. So I've been putting some additional focus on this particular area, which is all about capturing the learning, okay? So I'm going to give you an example, okay? a real life example of what's happening. It's going to be very meta because it's about this podcast and how we just planned out the last quarter of the year. So as I sat down, typically we batch record a month at a time. Sometimes, depending on what's going on in life, it is more than enough time. Other times, it puts us with a little bit of a squeeze. And so there's some ebbs and flows. And for the most part now, you know, we are over 100 episodes in, it's worked really well, there's been a few situations where I have not been able to batch record with enough time. And it puts a lot of pressure on my team, it puts a lot of pressure on myself. And it creates a lot of worry and anxiety. And to be frank, Sometimes dread, which is not the way that I want to approach any part of my business. So, what I decided is that I'm unavailable to do things at the last minute. I'm unavailable to be stressed out about an aspect of my business that is designed to be supportive, that is designed to help support you, that is designed to be fun. Because, hello, the name of this is Master the Sale Game. It's supposed to feel like a game. So, I literally just sat down and mapped out what we already have recorded, okay? And yes, I could be way more strategic, right? I could say, okay, here's the campaign, here's content that supports the campaign, and here's what we're going to promote, and here's how that's going to help support that. For me, everything that I do and everything that I am goes into all of me and all of what I talk about. And so as a result, I am not as concerned with, hey, this particular piece of content doesn't really line up with this particular offer. I know that I pretty much have something that would tie into this. And if it's not directly tied in, so today's episode, we already talked about the strategic business planning workshop. Does it cover off everything that I've talked about today? No, yes and no, because some of that is actually in way more detail about the higher level, your annual plan, your vision, your mission, your values, so really thinking strategically, and then drilling it down to the lower levels. But some of this is actually an evolution as I have evolved in my business. And some of the things that I have been able to incorporate that I've noticed that really resonate with me versus um, when I created that that workshop. And so it's still highly effective, which is why I mentioned it to you. But at the same time, some of the things that I'm teaching here is not covered exactly inside of that workshop, which is why they dovetail so nicely. The other piece to that is that I know that inside of Sales Mastery Society, I've also done quarterly planning with my inner circle. And so for those members that are in there, they also get access to the strategic business planning workshop, because if they want to go through it in a more detailed way, manner they can, but we've also done it with real life working examples and being able to answer their questions real time around their specific plans, their specific goals and their specific questions. So everything that I do is interconnected. Okay. Now your business may or may not be the case. So I I just want you to think, how does this apply to you? So as we were planning out our podcast, which is part of our attract mechanism, right? This is kind of automated. It goes out and it it directly connects to different products and services that we have. So for us, it is an attract mechanism. It also allows us to promote and sell uh, different types of business offers that make the most sense, depending on the topic. And so when I looked, I saw there are some holes around different things that I want to be able to talk about. There are some seasonal areas that would make the most sense that You know, we're going to plot in those topics as well. And then there are some things that people have been asking questions about. My clients have been asking questions about, and I know that these are topics that are going to be extremely well-received. So I literally just did a bit of a brain dump to think about what my team has already suggested, as they've done some research for me, right. And they have allowed me to plan with their help and incorporating some of their suggestions. So we literally sat down, I already had some research already on the go, I had what I already had planned for my podcast. And when I looked, there was, I don't know, there was a bunch of episodes. Um, We had was that four per month, so let's say there's 12. OK, there was 12 episodes that we needed to plan out. We already had three. With three episodes. So when I looked and I thought, OK, there's a few here. I'm going to do a best of 2021, which is a compilation of some of our existing episodes. I'm going to do a uh, 2022 predictions trends, because I love doing that. Um, There's a couple of guests that I want to have on. So I have to decide, do I want to do those as bonus episodes, or do I want them to take a regular full episode like we've been doing in the past. And when I came up with some of the other topics based off of the research, I was using probably about half of what we already had on our list. And so that left me with about five different topics that I needed to still come up with. And as I sat there and I was praying and meditating over some of the topics, this is one of the episodes that came up and I thought, huh, okay, well, what is something that people would need help with that? I know that I've helped my clients with quarterly planning. Amazing. So this is how I literally planned out all of the topics for my next three months of my podcast and we slotted them all in. And now I can just take a look and see, is there a supporting resource? Is there a guide? Is there an offer or a product that could help people go deeper dive into the topic or would be complementary to what I'm already sharing and suggesting with you? And as a result, then I just need to make sure that just like I had shared with you, right, there's an attract, there's a promote and sell, there is a delivery phase. So Everything that we have on the back end is either automated, there's some pieces there that we need to constantly improve. And every time that something goes a little bit wrong or not quite exactly what we planned, we make an adjustment. That's that learning phase. That's that iterative phase. That's where we really sit down and dissect as a team what needs to happen here. How did that work? Why didn't that fire the way that we wanted to, right? The integration didn't quite connect. What is it that's confusing when people are joining so that we can improve that process? So all of this together then shapes our current quarter, and it allows us to make better plans for our next quarter. So I hope this was helpful for you to kind of understand what the quarterly planning process looks like for me in my business, how you can adapt for your own business, and how this will help you to drive results and improve your results over the next quarter. I promise you, if you just create consistent focus around one rock, one major thing, instead of spreading yourself so thin, instead of automatically losing 20% because of context switching, that you will see your results immediately improve. Because Who can't can't deal with an immediate 20% return on your time, on your focus, on your effectiveness, I think we all probably could, right? And so when you really sit down and understand the mechanics of what it is that you're trying to drive in your business and how you're planning, your quarterly planning will allow you to see even better results. I know that it's going to be time that's worthwhile. I know that it's going to be effort that will pay off dividends, not just for this quarter, but for quarters to come. And it will allow you to get even closer to hitting your annual goals, especially if there is a little bit of a shortfall left. Now, again, if you need some help, go and grab the strategic business planning workshop. We will link that up in the show notes for you below. And if you want more handholding support, please feel free to come on inside to Sales Mastery Society, and you can find more details at salesmasterysociety.com. Thanks so much, and we will talk to you again on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Be sure to let me know what you think by leaving a review so I know how best to serve you. If you're enjoying this show, don't forget to share and hit subscribe so you know when the next show is up. See you next time.